0: Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy.
1: Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, Episode 78. I planned to do a patriotic episode celebrating the greatness of America for Independence Day this week. Instead, I decided to do this episode because I believe tackling truths we'd rather not face about the things going on in America is a much better way of celebrating our nation's 244th birthday. I'm a descendant of General Hugh Mercer who fought in our war for independence. You've heard me talk about this before but I think it bears repeating today. General Mercer died at the Battle of Princeton. He'd been hit repeatedly in the head and bayoneted seven times. Yet this brave man lived another two days before becoming overcome by his wounds. Since General Mercer, every able-bodied man in my family for the last 244 years has worn the uniform of an American fighting man and many have served in the military as their careers. My ancestors have spilled blood on five continents, and many have given their every last full measure for our nation. So I take it personally when American citizens don't vote. When people won't vote, I'm as outraged as when the NFL scum take a knee to the National Anthem or when communists like Black Lives Matter and Antifa burn our flag. I believe that people who disrespect the anthem, burn the flag, and won't vote don't deserve to enjoy the same freedoms the rest of us enjoy. I think they're second-class citizens. There, I said what no one else has the guts to say. Every Catholic has the moral obligations to be patriotic and love his country, and to vote. Of course, in order to vote responsibly, and in keeping with the Fourth Commandment, we have to first be sure we're well informed about the issues and the candidates. But what do we do if we're not particularly happy with any of the candidates or their performance? That's what we're talking about in this episode.
0: What did Billy D. Williams, the celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell, and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross? Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course. How, in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity. How the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo.
1: The American public first began to get noticeably cynical about our presidents and presidential elections when Lyndon Johnson was president. As the years went by, cynicism grew. But it wasn't until 1996 that a new concept for presidential voting became popular. The concept was that we'd be holding our nose while voting, an indication that whomever we'd vote for was just plain rotten. We held our noses in some elections because the choices were so bad that they stank to high heaven. We held our nose when we voted for Bob Dole in 1996 because the alternative was Teflon Bill Clinton. I personally thought at the time that it was a choice between an older Clinton and a younger Clinton. We held our nose again when we voted for George Bush, because the alternatives in both 2000 and 2004 were men who, in my opinion, showed signs of being demonically possessed. What else could you expect, though? They're Democrats. We held our noses again when John McCain ran against Barack Obama. While I respected McCain for his military service to our country, I had zero respect for him politically. Every time he ran for office, he made all the right promises and said all the right things to get elected, then acted like a moderate Democrat the whole time he was in office. He only sounded conservative during his campaigns. So how could we believe him in 2008? As it is, we ended up with the worst president in American history. Jimmy Carter loves Obama, though, because his election took the title of the worst president away from the peanut farmer. We held our noses again when we voted for Mitt Romney. Romney is nothing more than an empty shirt, and he's come perilously close to acts of treason, in my opinion. Although it was wrong, most normal Americans didn't even vote because they rightly thought Romney had no chance of beating Obama. And he didn't. But we voted for him because we thought we might not still have a country after another four years of Barry. Then came the election of 2016. Personally, I held my nose when it came to Trump. Throughout the primary, I supported Ted Cruz because I thought he'd hold strictly to the Constitution and make a fine president. After Trump won the nomination, it was a no-brainer. I didn't trust Trump, but I knew Hillary would destroy America. Within 30 days of Trump's inauguration, I apologized to everyone I'd badmouth Trump to. He did more for America in one month than the previous four presidents had done during their entire time in office. But now the 2020 election looms a mere four months away, and I'm afraid it's hold-your-nose time again over one single issue. In my opinion, Donald Trump is among the greatest presidents in American history. When he said he was going to make America great again, apparently he meant it. No one can blame him for the China virus pandemic, but prior to that, things were booming, and they appear to be heading in that direction again. Trump achieved some historic records. Record low unemployment for blacks, Hispanics, Asians, and women built the long-promised and needed wall at the southern border made NATO member nations pay their fair share for defense cut funding for WHO, rebuilt our military, made us go from oil dependence to oil dominance, set historic records on the New York Stock Exchange, the Dow, and NASDAQ, made it okay to say Merry Christmas again instead of Happy Holidays. The list could go on and on. No matter how great a job a president does, though, he's going to make some mistakes along the way. In President Trump's case, those mistakes mirror his personality. They're bigger than life. While I haven't agreed with everything he's done, he never made a misstep until the China virus pandemic. Trump is a known and publicly acknowledged germaphobe, so it was easy for him to make his first mistake, to urge all the state's governors to issue stay-at-home orders. Because he believed an idiot bureaucrat who's supposed to be an expert, the entire nation was locked down and our national economy destroyed. Proof that Dr. Fauci is either an idiot or a conspirator against America is the fact that two weeks ago, he admitted that the whole stay-at-home thing wasn't at all necessary. Our economy is up and running again now, though. All signs point to a speedy and healthy recovery. Assuming that happens, President Trump can be forgiven for his misstep. But the China virus also occasioned his second misstep. Never mind that his second misstep was blatantly unconstitutional. It was also reckless, and it'll have devastating long-term effects for our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. I'm referring to that multi-trillion dollar China virus relief bill that sent every American a $1,200 check. That not only saddles our progeny with a deficit to a level impossible to pay back, but it's the most ridiculous socialistic redistribution of wealth I've ever seen, and it's something I'd have never expected from the man who promised America would never become socialist. What the hell does he think this is? For the record, just so you know I'm not being a hypocrite, as badly as I needed that money, I sent it back. The IRS is happy to take anything you give them. But I couldn't keep the money in good conscience. Whereas my income is so low that I get all the taxes I paid throughout the year returned to me at the end of the year, that money wasn't mine to keep. In reality, I'm not a federal taxpayer. I pay taxes, just not federal taxes. That money belonged to the people who actually paid taxes, which is only 53% of American citizens. That means chances are pretty strong that the $1,200 wasn't yours either. But since the relief bill was so popular among most Americans, I can temporarily overlook the president's error. I'm not forgiving the error, merely overlooking it. As America began reopening its economy, Trump made his third mistake, and this is the one that'll cause me to hold my nose in November. I'm talking about the riots brought on by the Marxist Black Lives Matters and the anarchist Antifa, and the President's lack of response to it. As of this moment of recording, President Trump has rattled his saber and made threats. If you don't take care of this, I will. You remember that? But as of this moment, he's done absolutely nothing. In an exclusive interview with The Daily Caller, the president said that he had discussed the situation with Attorney General Bill Barr. When asked by the caller what Barr is advising him to do, the president answered, Right now, I think it's great sitting back and watching this catastrophe. I thought I was going to have another stroke when I heard that. The very first responsibility of government is to protect the people, and Trump thinks it's great to sit back and watch this catastrophe? Mr. President, people are dying. American citizens are truly afraid for their lives. Small business owners, most of whom are underinsured, have lost everything, and they don't have your billions to start over again. Where do you get off saying you enjoy sitting back to watch this catastrophe? To say that is criminal. It's tantamount to Marie Antoinette saying, let them eat cake. President Donald Trump has violated his oath of office by refusing to restore law and order to these cities that are burning. For the first time in this man's presidency, I'm ashamed of him. I'm also ashamed and embarrassed for him, because he clearly doesn't have the moral compass to be ashamed of himself. I realize the first person responsible for the restoration of law and order is the city's mayor, followed by the governor of the state where a riot-torn city is located, but once these despicable leaders made it clear they weren't going to do anything, the President of the United States had a clear constitutional obligation to do whatever is necessary to protect American lives and property. He hasn't done that. Adding to the turmoil caused by Trump's inaction is the response from Republicans in Congress. They're silent. I haven't heard one single Republican stand up in defense of the innocent Americans who are being victimized by the low-life savages of Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Not one! Where are they? They're certainly not defending their constituents, so we'll be holding our noses to re-elect them, too. You may be asking yourself why on earth Trump and his fellow Republicans even deserve our votes. Well, frankly, they don't. But the alternative is so frightening and destructive to our way of life that we have to vote for them, even while holding our noses. All you have to do to see voting for any Democrat is to vote for your own destruction is to look around at what's happening. Every single riot is taking place in Democratic-controlled cities, none in cities controlled by Republicans. Black Lives Matters admit they're Marxists. Antifa admits it's anarchists, and recent Project Veritas undercover videos have Antifa leaders admitting the groups funded by George Soros groups. Both Black Lives Matter and Antifa are trying to destroy our history, all of it. They attack and destroy all of our statuary and art as white supremacists. They want to abolish police departments all over the country. They want to release all the convicts from all our nation's prisons. And they want all the rest of us to acquiesce to their demands and just do as we're told. Only incredibly stupid and insane people don't believe it's time to arm themselves to protect themselves, their family, and their property, because neither the cops nor the military will be there when you need them. The incredibly moronic Sean Hannity says that would be vigilante justice. Far from vigilante justice, Hannity, it's self-defense. We have to defend ourselves because your boyfriend won't. I've supported Trump all along, but I think Hannity would defend him for farting in a crowded elevator. On each and every one of their demands, congressional Democrats have thrown their full support behind Black Lives Matters and Antifa. So I challenge you to take a look at Seattle, Minneapolis, Chicago, Washington, D.C., and other cities that are being destroyed. Is that the America you want? There's plainly no guarantee that won't happen if you vote Republican, but it's most assuredly guaranteed to happen if you vote Democrat. If you consider yourself a good Catholic and patriotic American, as good Catholics should be, be at the polls on November 3rd and hold your nose. That's what I'm talking about.
0: have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a holy orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, the Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows, and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women, ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other podcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five.
1: Hats off to Breitbart. Rob Reiner is using the Chinese coronavirus pandemic to once again attack President Donald Trump, claiming that the president's re-election platform is to kill as many Americans as possible. He isn't known as the meathead for nothing. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes.
0: You big dummy! Catholic Catholic News Pick Pick Number number 4
1: Hats off to Western Journal. As leftist demonstrators take aim at statues and monuments that honor former American presidents, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem has announced that Mount Rushmore will be protected.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can read the whole story by clicking the link on my show notes. Catholic,
0: Catholic News Pick, Pick Number, number three. 3 Hats
1: off to Catholic News Agency. A cross and several graves were vandalized with swastikas at Providence College Cemetery, where Dominican friars who taught at the school are buried. We loudly and unequivocally condemn this racist, anti-Semitic, and anti-Catholic action and the desecration of the gravestones of our beloved deceased Dominicans who served Providence College so well and so faithfully for many years, the college said in a statement. Are you ready for martyrdom? That's where we're headed. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes.
0: Catholic, Catholic News Pick number, number two. 2.
1: Hats off to LifeSite News. Pope Francis describing request to declare Our Lady Co-Redemptrix as nonsense is a reflection of his personal taste and not a statement of the validity of the doctrine, a Franciscan theologian told Rome Life Forum. Francis strikes again. Despicable! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes.
0: Catholic Catholic news pick pick number number one.
1: one. Hats off to the Daily Signal. The official at Twitter in charge of overseeing efforts to combat misinformation is a donor to Planned Parenthood who called President Trump a racist tangerine and claimed there were actual Nazis in the White House. You're an idiot! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes.
0: Catholicism 101 is the segment where Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, gives you little thumbnail lessons to help you better learn and understand the Catholic faith. Here's this week's Catholicism 101.
1: Last week, we began our examination of how Christ founded the Catholic Church, focusing on when and how the Church became known as Catholic. This week, we're going to take it a step further, perhaps several steps further. The most telling point of the divine origins of the Church is the papacy. Non-Catholics, particularly those who aren't exactly friends of the Catholic Church, all tell us there is nothing in the Bible about the papacy or St. Peter being the first pope. This couldn't be further from the truth. Biblical evidence for the papacy is overwhelming. Following the logical presentation of Carl Keating in his modern classical work Catholicism and Fundamentalism, we find the evidence to be irrefutable. Keating notes first that St. Peter was almost always named first in the Gospels' listings of the Apostles, and that sometimes the Apostles were referred to only as Peter and those who were with him. He points out that St. Peter was the first of the Apostles to preach the first to perform a healing miracle, and the one to whom the revelation came that Christianity was for Gentiles as well as Jews. Keating goes on to tell us that, quote, and this is a long quote, Peter's preeminent position among the apostles was symbolized at the very beginning of his relationship to Christ, although the implications were only slowly unfolded. At their first meeting, Christ told Simon that his name would thereafter be Peter, which translates as rock. The startling thing was that in the Old Testament only God was called a rock. The word was never used as a proper name for a man. If one were to turn to a companion and say, from now on your name is asparagus, people would wonder, why asparagus? What is the meaning of it? Indeed, why Peter for Simon the fisherman? Why give him as a name a word only used for God before this moment? Christ was not given to meaningless gestures, and neither were the Jews as a whole when it came to names. Giving a new name meant the status of the person was changed, as when Abram was changed to Abraham, Jacob to Israel, Eliakim to Joachim, and Daniel, Ananias, Misiel and Azarias to Balthazar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego but no Jew had ever been called Rock because that was reserved for God alone. The Jews would give other names taken from nature, such as Barak, which means lightning, Deborah, B, and Rachel, U, but not Rock. In the New Testament, James and John were surnamed by Energies, Sons of Thunder by Christ, but that was never regularly used in place of their original names. Simon's new name supplanted the old. St. Peter's name has been firmly established by Christ as a name synonymous with God. Throughout Jesus and St. Peter's relationship, the reason became gradually clearer, but it becomes crystal clear in Matthew. Immediately after St. Peter proclaims Christ's divinity, our Lord says, in an excited way, Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah! For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now this passage seems obvious to most readers. The verse could have been rewritten as, You are rock, and on this rock I will build my church. It makes perfect sense that Jesus is here giving St. Peter supreme authority. However, those who desire to debunk the papacy and the divine authority it possesses prefer to claim the rock refers to Christ instead of Peter. Grammatical rules tell us that the phrase this rock must relate to the closest noun. Peter's profession of faith that Jesus is the Christ is two verses earlier, while Peter's name is in the immediately preceding clause. Analogously, consider this artificial sentence. I have a shirt and a coat, and it is blue. Which is blue? The coat, because that's the noun closest to the pronoun it. Obviously, then, the word rock must mean Peter. You are Peter, rock. And on this rock I will build my church. Not only is the reference to rock clear, but we see also that Jesus is giving St. Peter more authority than God had ever given any man, along with some specific promises. Immediately after stating that he will build the church upon St. Peter, Jesus goes on to make an astounding promise, along with an even more astounding reason for doing so. The promise is, the gates of hell will not defeat the church built on St. Peter. This is a promise that the church won't be destroyed by Christ's enemies, and that she'll stand until the end of time. Only a divine institution could have such a promise as that. Think about it. There's not one single nation on the face of the planet existing today that existed then. All have either been overthrown and completely remade, or they are destroyed. Many Antichrists have come and gone. The Roman Empire tried to destroy the Catholic Church. So did Attila the Hun, Kong, Napoleon, Hitler, Stalin, and even the United Nations tries today. Yet Holy Mother Church is still youthful and thriving, while all her enemies become just dust and ashes. Using the symbol of the keys, Jesus then gives Peter his authority. That symbol isn't lost on us today. Dignitaries receive the keys to the city. Business owners possess the keys to their businesses, if Antifa hasn't torn them up, and the authority to run it. You have keys to your car, and no one else has the authority to drive it without those keys. It's obvious, then, that Jesus is giving divine authority to Peter when he gives him the keys to the kingdom of heaven. This is immediately followed by the power of binding and loosing. Binding and loosing among the rabbis of our Lord's time meant to declare something prohibited or permitted. Here it plainly means that St. Peter, the steward of the Lord's house, the church, has all the rights and powers of a divinely appointed steward. He does not, like the Jewish rabbis, declare probable, speculative opinions, but he has the right to teach and govern authoritatively, and with the certainty of God's approval in heaven. A law-giving power is certainly implied by these words. We'll continue this discussion next week in Catholicism 101. That's awesome!
0: Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is a welcome visitor to parishes across the United States every Sunday through his What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Using humor, immutable truth, and ignoring political correctness, Joe Sixpack helps the average Catholic in the pew better know and understand our holy and ancient faith in a way that is refreshing, awe-inspiring, and makes readers chest-pounding proud to be Catholic. And readers love it. Now you can enjoy Joe's work by getting the best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It book series. In fact, get two copies of each book, one for yourself and one for your pastor. Then your priest can decide if he wants to help your fellow parishioners by subscribing through the What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Get your copy of the best of what we believe, why we believe it, by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo.
1: The Catholic Church is two thousand years old. A lot of wisdom has gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from Godfrey Daniels. He said, Rome should sometimes intervene and say that this or that is not in conformity with the Catholic faith. Theologians should understand that. Some theologians go too far. For example, reducing the Catholic faith to a universal philosophy. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. A priest was teaching catechism to some boys and girls. He asked, who made the angels? The children promptly and enthusiastically replied, God made the angels. The priest said, Very well then, who made the devils? There was silence in the room. It somehow didn't seem right to blame God for the evil spirits. Finally, a little girl raised her hand. Can you tell me who made the devils? The priest asked with a smile. Yes, said the little girl. God made the angels, but some of the angels made themselves devils. Some of the angels made themselves devils because they refused to obey God. They called down this punishment on themselves. Through their own free will, they sinned. When you commit mortal sin, you willingly run the risk of losing your soul in hell. It's not God's fault, but yours, if you make yourself a companion of the devil. Help your fellow Catholic six-packers. They need to be listening to The Cantankerous Catholic, and you can help them find it better if you leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Leaving a review will make it easier for other Catholics to find The Cantankerous Catholic, because reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show it more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review.
0: This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack,